Welcome to Thinking Edge with Ed Boudreaux. So we're super excited today to have Katie McMillan. She is the CEO of Well-Made Health. Really excited to have you on Thinking Edge podcast today. I'd love you to go into the background of Well-Made Health and what was the inspiration? How, how did it get started? Just incredible, you know, force in, in healthcare. So love to know the background story. Yeah, sure. For Well-Made Health, at least, I, a couple of years ago, got in, invited to a dinner with some thinkers in the area. I had no idea what to expect, but it ended up being this great dinner at a restaurant in downtown Durham, 30 or 40 people there. It was really fun, like high energy. And I just was like bubbling with ideas afterwards and kept thinking about this passion that I had for design and healthcare. And I was currently working for a hospital where I feel like the design element is less important than the functionality element, but a lot of people at the dinner were designers and just thinking about my place in the middle of those two things. And so this idea of well-made health came to me. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with it yet, but it was just this core belief that I had that any products for patients, any software for patients should be both beautiful and highly functioning. And how could I make that happen for people? And so shortly after that, I just, I think it was in 2018, started a Instagram account so I could do a little micro blog and just start writing on these topics and thinking about who are people that also care about this space and what are some examples of this that are done well? What are my like soapbox issues that I want to talk about? How do I advise people that want to go into like creating software for patients? Because a lot of those folks are people that have had experiences that have shaped them and, you know, they want to get into software development or healthcare, but they don't have any experience in that, those places. And so how do I support them? And so I just kind of started from there. And so I was running the blog for about a year and a half. And then about a year ago, so early 2020, I decided that I was ready to turn it into actually a company and start like advising people in a more formal capacity. And so I keep up the blog stuff because it's interesting for me and writing's always been a way for me to explore things that I'm curious about. And, you know, now I can actually work with clients that are equally passionate about solving problems in healthcare and using both beauty and function to fix those things. I love that. You know, in your client engagements around healthcare, you know, I love the idea that you, you just beauty, right? So I, I think of form and function, but you, you have that added element of, of beauty. Where do you see the pitfalls today in healthcare and bringing, bringing that beauty and form and function within, within healthcare? What, what do you see the biggest problems or issues are, are today, you know, with that experience or with that product? I think budget is one of the biggest constraints for people. And my area specifically is in software and technology. So I'm sure any of us have been to a doctor's office and you look around you and there's gray plastic objects and tools that are scary looking and stuff. And I definitely would love to get into that at some point, but I'm mostly focused on like user experience. And I think, you know, I've, I've worked with maybe 50 different doctors on ideas that they had and they all come at it with such great subject matter expertise, whether they work with diabetes patients or women, pregnant mothers, children, but then, you know, they're always working on shoestring budgets. It seems like chasing grant money or trying to scrape a few dollars from their department that they're working with. 
And so it typically ends up, you know, they get a quote from a software company to build something and there's a design piece of the budget and there's a functionality piece of the budget. And it seems like they're like, well, as long as it'll work, like we can at least get it out there and get a proof of concept. But my belief is if it's not something that people actually want to use, if it's just text on a screen, like you're not really going to test whether or not people like it or not. And I would always tell people back when I was working at Duke, like you are competing against all of the apps that people actually want to use on their phones, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, ESPN, Twitter, the places that they're spending most of their time on your phone, you're competing with that little slice of time. And in order to do that, you need to level up and make sure that, you know, not only do things work, but they're also like beautiful and engaging and fun for people as well. So I think that, you know, if they can squeeze a little bit of extra budget somewhere to spend some money on the design, then they will actually, you know, they'll reap huge benefits from that. Yeah, it makes makes complete sense. Do you see in healthcare, you know, an under underserved market that we could be addressing, you know, more solutions for any particular area? Yeah, I, well, when I first, my background from, well, I started my program 10 years ago, I did a master's degree in public health, specifically Mm -hmm. focused in maternal and child health. But then I got really interested in health technology, mostly from some time that I did working in like South America and Africa and noticing like the proliferation of cell phones places and what an opportunity that was to reach underserved populations. But I sort of put aside that interest in women's health because there wasn't a lot happening in that space. A lot of digital health things were in the chronic disease space, medication adherence, tracking people's vitals and stuff, you know, everything you can do on your Apple watch or your Fitbit. But in the last couple of years, there's just been like a big explosion in women's health that is, some use the term femtech. There's some different feelings about that, but that's generally what the market is called. And it's just amazing to see that growing. I mean, people are focused on everything along the reproductive life cycle for women, mental health, chronic diseases that disproportionately affect women. And there's just been so many cool things happening from both a software perspective to a connected devices perspective. And then even just changing the way that different medical tests and instruments are done. I mean, there's advances being done in mammography to make it less uncomfortable for women. There's things for, you know, reconstruction of breast tissue that's coming out. There's just really, really cool things happening all along like a woman's health life life cycle. And so I've been fortunate over the last year since I started my company to be working with a few of those female founders that I just find to be like total powerhouses and really fun and efficient to work with. So I love that space. Yeah, that's uh, true, truly amazing. I'd like to even bring into the your idea around beauty and design as it as it relates to to women's health. How do you think we progress that further? What are the kind of the ways we can we can think about human centered design or within healthcare? How do we do more? Yeah, I mean, I think engaging your target population or your user group from the beginning is so essential. I started working with my second client who was focused on supporting breastfeeding women. And they had had an MVP out there for a little while. 
and they wanted to bring it into the next version of their app that was going to be more ready to go to the market. And it had been a little while since they had connected with their users. And so I was like, all right, before we start deciding any of the things that we're going to add to this, we are going to just send out some surveys to people, try to connect with some of the super users, people that are on the app all the time, figure out what they need, what they like, and then go from there. And so I think that that is just for any product. And I think consumer products tend to do that really well. In healthcare products, sometimes people think, well, I'm the expert, I know the best, but they may not know necessarily what the people that they're serving really want. And so I think that engagement is essential. Bringing the, the human back to human-centered design. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> number one is the first word in there. <laughs> so how do you think about, you know, what, what does the future hold for, for healthcare around, you know, could be around population's health or, or women's health and how we think about bringing new solutions to market or scaling, you know, solutions to market as well? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much opportunity there. And I think as tragic as the last year has been with COVID, we've seen so many things that people have wanted just grow in leaps and bounds and become more of the standard of care. Like telemedicine is a huge thing. I read an article the other day, use of telemedicine increased by 6,000% over the last year. And it used to be, there'd be some little pockets of doctors that were maybe doing video follow-ups with patients that lived in rural areas so that they didn't have to drive five hours for a, you know, a six-week follow-up visit. But now it's almost like telemedicine first and then come in and see somebody in person second if, that, if it warrants that. And I think for all of us, that's a huge time saver. I mean, everybody knows that experience of having to sit on the phone and make an appointment and drive and you get to the parking lot and you have to check in and you're surrounded by other sick people and you know you're just trying not to touch anything now they don't even have magazines in the waiting room anymore because of like you don't want to communicate something to somebody yeah. and you know and then you sit with your paper gown for 20 minutes while you wait for someone to show up and then talk to you for like eight minutes before you know you can leave and so I think from just a a general like user and patient perspective, like telemedicine is awesome and saves a ton of time. I think, you know, we're seeing potentially like drone delivery of medicine as well in the next couple of years, which is really exciting. Like Amazon has gotten into this whole like pharmacy benefits management space where, you know, they're streamlining some of that pipeline from like drug development and, and how it's, you know, actually brought to market. And so you know, their specialty is in logistics and getting things quickly. And so I can definitely see them moving into, into that space or even, you know, some of the stuff that we've seen from the pandemic, like being able to door dash your medicine or something coming faster to you. Right. Um, which is amazing. And then I think there's just a lot happening with monitoring people outside of the healthcare system as well. And, you know, you spend your healthy person, maybe 1% of your life, like within the the walls of a healthcare institution, whether it's a clinic or a hospital, but even, you know, folks that have chronic diseases, like I used to work with a neurologist at Duke who worked with multiple sclerosis patients. And he sees, he would see those patients quarterly, but for an MS patient, their experience changes day to day. There's different things that trigger it. There's moments of like heightened awareness of the disease, heightened discomfort, and he wanted to find a way to just understand what that experience was like 
between those 30 minute visits that he had with the patients. And so he designed an app where they could do like a daily symptom tracker and a log so that when they actually came in for the visits, there was more meat for him to be able to talk about. And also for the patients, they weren't trying to recall how they felt for the last three months, you know, and then it was just providing him better information in order to treat them in a different way that was more true to how they were experienced, how they were feeling. And so I think that that ability to monitor people in between and just optimize medication is a huge opportunity as well. Yeah, I love that idea of journaling and understanding kind of transitional stages. Memory isn't that great, <laughs> you know, at least in my case. Yeah, but, I can't remember know, what I had for dinner like two nights ago. <laughs> you know, knowing how things are, are trending. I, I really love your, your whole story around the arc of starting with Instagram and then moving into, you know, putting the human back in, in, in the equation of human-centered design. When you think about your, your core why, what's your core why, Katie? I think I got into healthcare and public health. And honestly, when I was in college, I had no idea that the field of public health even existed. And I only learned, I mean, I, I get students reaching out to me now that want to hear my career story and like, how do I be like you? Which is, I feel like a huge compliment. And I, I'm like, I just kind of followed things that I thought were interesting along the way. But as far as my why goes, I think I just had this deep realization. I, when I was in college, I had really bad migraines and it, you know, sometimes would take me out for days and you just realize that if you're not healthy, you can't enjoy the rest of your life at all. And it's just such an essential part of humanity and being happy. And so I just wanted to focus my work on helping people to be healthy and so that they could live happy and full lives. I, I love the fact folks are coming to you and saying, hey, I'd, I'd love to be like you. And how do I do that <laughs> for people like that or, or others, generally speaking? What three pieces of advice would you give folks that, I mean, I really love your idea around following your interests, right? And that leads to curiosity and questions and then the formation potentially of something. But what, what three pieces of advice would you give folks aspiring to be the change and, you know, mm -hmm. change within healthcare? Because I believe you've done that. Well, I appreciate the compliment. I think one thing that my dad told me when I was young that I've always held on to is just to work hard and be nice to people. And my dad always said, nice people remember nice people. And there's just no need to step on others in order to make your way up. And I think that you just never know. I mean, I had a, a client previous when I was so before I worked, there was Wellmade Health. Before that was working at Duke Hospital where I ran their mobile technology group. And then before that, I worked at a software development agency. And one of my clients was at Duke. And, you know, there was in any like product delivery, there's always moments of conflict and stuff. And, you know, I just tried my best to always keep that relationship positive. And, you know, little did I know, like two years later, I was going to be sitting across the table from the guy that was now the head of, you know, the cardiology unit. And he had been previously at some of those difficult meetings and he remembered me positively. Like I was a little bit nervous because I, you know, the project had had friction points and he, you know, was just like, oh, it's so great to see you. I'm so glad to see that you're working here. And I just think you never know when you're going to cross paths with someone again. And it just behooves everybody to be just nice to other folks. And 
it's just really beneficial, I think, in your career. I would say another piece is just don't be afraid to be different. And that kind of falls along with that third piece of like doing what's interesting to you. When I, so I graduated with my MPH in 2013 and there's typical paths that people go to following from public health. A lot of them go into research and then a lot of them go into like program delivery, whether it's within the US or abroad. And I was like the only person from a couple hundred people that were graduating that was going into this like health technology space. And you're like, you're going to work for a software company? Like what? This doesn't make any sense, but it was something that was interesting to me. And I chose that path because I thought consumer products are like beautiful, highly functioning. People want to use them. Public health and healthcare products are not. And if I want to make any change in this space, like I need to learn how they do it on the other side. And I just found a really great opportunity to be able to do that. And so since then, I would just be able to build so many more interesting things off of my career because I did something that was really different and kind of confused some people, but uh, it's now become, it's, you know, health tech, digital health, whatever you want to call it has now become a huge industry. There's, you know, venture capitalists that are, dedicated to it. There's hospitals that have huge innovation funds that are dedicated to it, conferences, you know, it's, it's just grown up so much and it's been great to be a part of that along the way. I love the, the simplicity of the advice, you know, work hard, be nice, be different, think differently and follow your interests and that will lead to unique things. And it sounds like you've had that convergence of those three elements, you know, in, in your, your career. And we couldn't be more grateful to have you on the Thinking Edge podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for who you are and what you brought to us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was so lovely to chat with you. Awesome. Thank you.